What's up and welcome to another MoGraph MoCast. I'm Dave. And I'm Mark. <laughs> and this week Matt is not here. He's actually on the showroom floor with Picklenick at NAB East. And MoGraph is a supplement to our site, MoGraph.com, which is a motion graphics tutorial site with tutorials, plugins, podcasts, and other MoGraph stuff. And on the show, we talk about everything ranging from motion graphics to Cinema 4D, After Effects plugins, render engines, doing business, doing taxes, being a contractor... Or working for the man. You can email us, info at MoGraph.com, let you know what you you think about the show, questions, comments, concerns, queries, grievances, artist suggestions, show topic ideas. We are on MoGraph.com. We're on YouTube.com slash MoGraph, and you can check out all the info on the show there if you want to know more about schedule and such. Mark Cernosia is here today. Now, Cernosia, I hear a lot of people slur through it and say Cernosa. Oh, yeah. Uh, It's... uh do you it's get a lot the of that? Best way to to filter out anyone that might not know, us might not or, be your you know, friends, like spam calls or something. It's, it's a pretty <laughs> yeah. easy one. To... I, I hear a lot of our friends say Cernosa. Like, yeah, I mean, straight, I just let it roll. Yeah. Cernosia. Okay. Cernosia. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, Yugoslav. Oh, it's Yugoslav. Czech. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Got it. So. Check. Literally. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so we're going to talk about you today, and we're going to talk about motion graphics in general. Kind of, kind of like the episodes that um, Matt and I do when it's just the two of us. You know, yeah, uh, we're just going to shoot the shit and uh, talk about uh, some of the stuff you do because you're always on here talking about camp. Uh, but we're going to talk about what you mm-hmm. do, and we're going to dig into some some stuff about like Cinema 4D and mm-hmm. AI and VR and all the fun stuff. Um, like I said, Matt is at NAB uh, East in New York. Uh, Pickle Nick is there too. They're setting up right now. They're looking for the gear that I sent them. I I know it's arrived, even though it doesn't say it's arrived, because I have Apple trackers and everything. So I know it's there. So they're wandering around the show floor aimlessly looking for uh, some boxes. Some expensive boxes. (laughs) So... Crates. Yeah. Uh, So yes, uh, Phil, we are going to talk 4090s a bit. We got that in there near the beginning, actually. So hopefully before you fall asleep there on the UK, uh, before we put you to sleep. Um, so make sure that you watch the uh, NAB East live streams. They're going to start Wednesday. They're going to be Wednesday and Thursday. And, um, you know, send good vibes toward uh, Matt and Nick because they are running a live stream for the very first time without me there. Uh I'm sure they will be fine. They'll be fine. If something goes <laughs> wrong, you turn it off and turn it back on. Yeah, you know. <laughs> no one's sorry. Like what you used to say in the industry when you made a mistake. It's all right. No one's watching. Yeah, no one's watching. No one saw it. No one saw it. You know, yeah. you're at an arena with 30,000 people watching and you hit the wrong button and screw up a cut. Sorry, right. No one's watching. No one's watching. No one's watching. Artistic vision, too. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I meant to do that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um if, if you're joining us for the first time, you know, uh, this is a little different than usual, but we're going to do the, the things we usually do, which is talk about digital art. Um, and and I, I do have to say that digital art cannot get soup cans thrown at it. Mm. Did you know mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's got that going for it. Um, did you hear about the, the whole story with the soup cans? Just and- briefly. Honestly, I I haven't researched it, and it's been on my the top of my head trying, you know, when I had time to go right. dig into it. But uh, yeah, maybe fill me in a little bit more. But uh, yeah, long story short, um, so okay, there's two 
activists that want want to stop big oil, and so they threw soup at uh, a Van Gogh painting because you mm. know that stops big oil. And yes. um, they flew it. They they threw it at his sunflowers painting, and um, it's an eighty million dollar painting. So um, it's it's just ironic because then they glued themselves to the wall next to it and i'm thinking you know that glue it was most likely made possible by petroleum products first of all (laughs) second of all the company that they're working for this act this activist organization when it comes down to it is funded by an oil heiress so i don't quite understand that it's kind of pointless yeah so um, they pled not guilty, which is also funny because they literally did it, and everybody has videos and pictures of them. And um, you know, it doesn't solve any problems, you know, which is exactly why uh, Beeple's piece yesterday or the day before was called "Problem <laughs> Solved," and it's got like two uh, two clowns, uh, like the clown face emoji, two people, you know, doing that thing with their hands on the wall. And um, it's funny because, because like Phil said, there's glass over it, so it it did nothing. It did nothing except make you look like clowns. And I guess stunt. that was his statement. Yeah. yeah. So that's pretty. Funny. Well, I'm glad there's glass over it. I mean, as any eighty million dollar painting probably should have. Yeah, you uh, figured they would. You yes. know. Um, so on the agenda here for this week. Um, Classes, make sure you take advantage of the Creating the Unreal class, which there's going to be 50%, there is 50% off on that. Right now, if you use the promo code, which is in our Twitter feed, you can find it if you scroll back a little bit. And uh, speaking of which, Brandon's course, RTX On, uh, we're going to have a special on November 3rd with. Uh, with Brandon and Winbush, it's going to be one of those nighttime specials, which we haven't done in a while. And uh, we're going to be talking about Unreal. We were hoping Jags could make it, but he, I think, has a another speaking event. So, um, is this like MoGraph at night? Um, Mo, yeah, yeah, <laughs> MoGraph evening MoGraph. See, Matt's already sending me stuff right now, like looking for things. Um, they are they are missing some packages. Apparently, I don't know. That's that's not good. There are nine. There are nine packages, and what's probably funny is it's the probably the one that I don't have a tracker in that's missing. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I see seven in this photo, and uh, yeah, there should be there should be more. Um, that's not good. Yeah. Anyway, um, I will figure that out after the show. So, let's see. What else? Uh, this spooky special is going to be uh, on Halloween, so make sure you're ready to call in on Skype on that. It's going to be the name MoGraph Calls on Skype. You can Skype in and, and say hi and get a piece of candy. Um, and then uh, Half Res. Uh, the videos for Half Res are... Um, I'm, I'm trying to edit those. I had a really weird problem with them. Uh, it's a sync audio issue because we the guy who was running the board recorded it onto digitally onto a, a thumb drive, and we recorded on a black magic camera, and it was not variable frame rate. I don't understand the issue. Uh, the files did not sync up, and mm. a lot of people are like, "Oh, we'll just use uh, j- just use Pluralize." I'm like, I, I assure you, that's not the problem. It's not no. just lining them up, and so. 
the the next thing you do when stuff doesn't line up and it's actually just a little bit off is you stretch it right you stretch the audio or the video just the right way to make it work mm -hmm. if you line up the beginning and you line up the end the middle just doesn't align at all like it's so weird it's like if you were trying to match up a perfect digital audio recording with a cassette tape well, it's almost like you guys like the the video was shot at twenty four and the audio was like recorded at twenty three nine seven eight. Yeah, or six I, or whatever it is. Well, yeah, that's the thing, and and you should be able to convert it, and it should work. It should line up if you convert it, mm -hmm. but it just doesn't. Weird. It, it's it's just like so it, it was changing just over time. Yeah, it, it drifts throughout back and forth just a little bit. So the solution is going to be, I'm going to have to go edit the thing in almost real time, cut like every minute and realign it every minute, and it's right. just going to be uh, grueling. So <laughs> it will it will get out there uh, eventually. <laughs> you got you need an intern. Yeah, it's a perfect job. Yeah. For yeah. <laughs> Watch these maybe, hours of presentations and chop it up. Yeah, maybe Joey has one, uh, but what did you record on? Or it just recorded to a thumb drive from the audio board? Yeah, we gave him a thumb drive and he just plugged it in, and it just you know it sounds pristine. It's amazing. There's got to be some sort of frame rate issue, but yeah, I'm not an audio guy. So. Um... What else is on my list? I think that's it. I already talked about NAB. So let's go to Ravcock. What's your flavor? Mm. What's your flavor? What's your flavor? <laughs> um, I only had one thing on there, and that's the 4090s because um, they there was some sort of official benching that came out, and it's uh, it's twice as fast octane bench wise as a 3090, and it's like that's tempting. Yeah. But a lot of people are just like, oh, are you going to get one? Are you going to get one? I'm going to get one. It's like, yes, but like, I don't know. I don't, I, and for me, it's because I already have, you know, quite a handful of cards. I'm like, I don't really see the urgency in going through all that rigmarole. Right. And what's the power draw on it? It's pretty gnarly, right? Um, it's pretty high. Because I've got two 3090s. And I've been happy with them. And I guess that's what's always tough with, like, the benchmarks and all that stuff is that, uh, for me at least, it's like, oh, amazing. It saved this much time on these benchmarks. But, like, in my everyday work that I do, like, am I really doubling my speed on everything? Or is it just bumping on up a little bit here and there? But, like, in those benchmark scenes, it's, you know been really optimized with the gi and whatever it may be but like i don't know it, it just seems like i'm perfectly happy and fine with this it would be great to go to one card i guess but like not necessary i guess i don't know i mean if i well, was coming from a 2080 or something it'd be different but you know you wouldn't go to one card though you got to get two can they even fit two i don't know probably not right yeah they're, they're huge. huge they are gigantic well, Someone in the Slack posted uh, something. It was like a octane bench of like five thousand something or for, other. For what? Uh, it was octane bench. Michael Docking it says benchmark finished. It had four forty nineties, and the octane bench was 
5,300. Now, I understand it probably has a lot better VRAM uh, temperature control after that debacle. Uh, right. And like it would be it would be a good option but it's like for me I already have cards I'm fortunate fortunate enough to have gotten a lot of 3090s and I'm just kind of like you know do I really need it right now like I can render pretty fast I can re- render pretty dang fast and well, everything I render it. is short so you know yeah. I mean just having a I don't know it, right now I'm going to just pause and I mean the crazy uh, markup happening. I, I mm-hmm. mean, everyone was trying to get them when they went on sale, and like apparently the Best Buy button never even like turned before yeah. it had sold out. Yeah, that's um, what Billy said. And, you know, I dealt with this with the 3090s forever, and it was such a pain in the butt. It's like, all right, I'm fine for now. You know, uh, it's not really changing much on my end, but. You know, I, I definitely see the benefits and higher VRAM and the uh, the there's just more more power. But I mean, we're getting to a point where, dude, you're gonna have to have its own desk for the GPU mm-hmm. or its own power supply. Like they oh, need that to for start sure. making them like uh, just not bigger and more powerful, but just more efficient too. Right, and I guess maybe technically they are. They're just faster, so that kind of evens it out, right? Right. Um, yeah, and and let's let's say you you get a a, a forty ninety in your system, right? And it yeah. I I don't know what the I don't know what the wattage draw is it and is for it yet. And I still don't. I know sometimes like it'll say one thing, but it's actually more. Yeah. You know, right. it's like right. What are you gonna do? I don't know. It's forty ninety total power draw. Yeah. You got to watch that. And I, I kind of feel like for me, like I would rather go to something else, um, you know, maybe like, I don't know, an A series or something. Mm, mm-hmm. So. It says total power draw, 450 watch. okay. watts. Okay. All right. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, you're right. Like when, when you're kicking off like a simulation or a render or like right. that thing's just jamming it's gonna spike above that right? right like i feel like i saw in the slack someone talking about it might have been billy how he's uh it had something to do with the power and like it was going insanely high for like the first three seconds and then would drop back down right um, and if you but, have two of them imagine that you know you're gonna have a lot of, you're gonna need headroom for the rest of your computer and whatnot. Yeah, right. And it's like, really, do you want to really get that beefy? I mean, the the A series cards have a better power draw. They they're a little more profesh. So I I feel like on my next system, I want to have some like sleek A series card and like water cool. I want to do all of that. I've never done that. I know a lot of people don't because it's a big hassle, which is why I've never done it. Mm. But I kind of feel like I'm at the point now. It's kind of like with the iPhone, right? Like, you get an iPhone, and oh, hey, you're on the upgrade plan. You get to upgrade, and you get a little bit more. But like, I don't know. If, if well, exactly, yeah. is, is it worth like the trouble battling to try to find the card? 
getting in, it installed, trying to figure out what drivers are working with what version of Redshift and like it, right. or Octane or whatever. You know, it, there's just always so many pieces to the puzzle. It's like if yeah. my machine's working fine, like I'm not touching it. Because there's going to be other stuff that comes up, you know. Uh, oh, and yeah, and Vernon says A6000, uh, more CUDA cores and 300-watt power draw. And it's like if you were to get What's the, the card on that one, and – oh, it's it's spendy. Yeah, but, right. Uh, if you put it in your, your computer, 4090, you might find out that uh, it's too long. Like maybe there's a – maybe it's hitting a fan or, or – Right. Maybe you, you need know. a new motherboard because you can't fit it or, you know, like depending on what machine you have, but – yeah, like mine barely fits because there's like a fan kind of in the way. And so there's just like a fraction of a millimeter that sticks out a little bit more on, on the pins on, on the PCI slot. And like, it's like, I don't know if I can handle anymore or is it going to be too heavy? Am I going to need to turn this box <laughs> sideways? Like, I feel like right. it's going to start sagging, you know? Oh, seriously. So I don't know. I. I feel like a lot of motion designers use these series cards because they are the most "quote unquote" affordable, right? But then you go to yeah. yeah, exactly the core CUDA cores for your buck, I guess. You know. Now, has the whole um, uh, Ethereum moving to proof of stake has that changed any of the demand going on with the GPUs? I really haven't been keeping up with it but i know the miners were mm. like all over the 3090s and you know yada yada but like i'm not sure if that's chilled out at all um, i think it's the the crash in uh the semi cri crypto in 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 general yeah that was the semiconductor was part of the problem too the, right. the shortages but it's now it's also like it's not as worth it to do these farms and whatnot so yes correct yeah so hopefully some other stuff comes you know back online in terms of like other gpus and whatnot 3090s mm -hmm. or or even 2080s if you can get a bunch of cheap ones yeah like uh, jeff said the a6000 is like 5k and i'm sure it'll probably be around the same price when they come out with you know the quadro 4090 version and then like, comparing that to the 4090 which is what 1500 bucks 1600 bucks uh, i think so I, I don't know exactly. I have right. see. I haven't even been interested in it. That's the thing. It's like yeah, forty ninety. Totally. You know, like like this whole race to get graphics cards. I feel like if you get a bunch of cards and you're cool, it's like you get established, and it's like, do you really want to spend? It, it, it's just like the thing with getting a Mac, right? Or like I said, the iPhone. It's like I I used to get the new MacBook Pro when it came out, and I would right. you know sell the old one, and then you know the phone always has to. I got to get it the day it comes out, and like so much of that I've just given up on. Like the older I get, you know. Yeah. Yep. Well, and the uh, uh, yeah, just the the whole like lead up to it and the anxiety of trying to get it. Like mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just. It's not worth it for me at this point, but um, I'm looking to see. There are some things that I'm still excited about that I buy. For example, uh, the uh, the Quest Pro. I I definitely am getting a Quest Pro. Mm. Like that's something for me. I've always with the Oculus. I have bought every single one since the beginning. You know, and I'm really interested in it. I I love it. I'm I'm excited about where ar is going but 
like when it comes to things like cards now and just like everything's working i can come and sit down at my desk and i can render something out fairly quick or overnight totally you know well and if you had to you throw it to a farm if you need more power and more more render juice you know but like um yeah i mean the you know the 4090s it's gonna be hard to get right and then in three months they're gonna put out the 4090 ti yeah, right, there's right. There's going to be rumors about the 5090. And mm-hmm. it's just like the, oh, like, consumerism, right? Like, By the time anyone can get their hands on a 4090, they'll already announce the 5090, right? Like, totally. it just takes so long for, for it to battle out and for the dust to settle and people to actually get their hands on it. Like, I'm just tired of, like, checking Best Buy's website and doing all that. And, yeah. you know, the other well, thing... Mm-hmm. Oh, I was going to say what it's turned into... And it's, you know, I think it's always been a bit like this, but like this, the whole sneaker flipping thing, do you know, you know, sneakerheads that buy a bunch of like mm. hard to get sneakers, right. mark them up, flip them, you know, and like build a business off that. So yeah. obviously people are doing that with these tech products as well. But like what is starting to happen is the manufacturers and the brands like a Nike are starting to crack down on how you get the shoes. So it's almost like NVIDIA really right. needs to step up and figure out, you know, bots can be written for anything nowadays, you know, right. and they're, they're going to say they're doing something to prevent it, but then that gets, you know, worked around real quick. And anyway, I think it, it's gonna fall more on the uh, the manufacturers of these cards to really like step up and, and create a better way of getting them, you know. Um, especially if it's direct through them, through Best Buy and other places, it's obviously harder. But um, yeah, but Brett yeah, says the forty ninety is selling for twenty three hundred pounds in uh, uh, in the UK. That's heavy. Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, that's that's one to one right now, right? This is about twenty three hundred dollars, I think. Right? Yeah. Isn't the aren't the pound it's and the dollar pr- it pretty might even? Be a little bit better than us, but like, yeah, yeah it, it's wild. And um, Nike recently <laughs> let a VP of product or some some VP go because it was found out that her son was running like a sneaker flipping business <laughs> out of their basement, making two hundred k a month. Oh my god, that's ridiculous! <laughs> so, they're like, okay, yep, you're out of here. But anyway, same. Yeah, that's the other thing too. You know, Vernon's talking about like with these, um, with like an A six thousand card, you could really get a stripped down version of that for putting, like maybe putting four in a machine with water cool, like the real slim. You right. know, like I, I would rather try and go that route and make some crazy beefy machine and then take the 3090s and put them they're the the older computers then right they're the hand-me-downs they become a render node or whatever it is because they're still good that's the thing 30 the 3090 everybody's like oh this piece of like no it's still freaking amazing like go buy one of those they're on sale my neighbor's like a high school kid and he he's got like a 2060 and he's mm-hmm. like, oh, my setup. I love my setup. He's like, you got two 3090s? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we, had the, we had the birthday party uh, for Charlotte here um, last week. And, you know, there's some kids and stuff come over. And, you know, some of them are a little bit older. And um, 
one of them had already seen my office before and and you know he's got his brother with him he's like hey can can we go can we go have a tour upstairs like he really wants to see your stuff so we go up here and you know they're they're like teenagers so it's like they're they're just blown away at all the computer gear they don't even know what it does you know but totally. uh, it's just yeah. amazing to them and they're talking about oh my gosh you could game on this thing this stuff is this stuff is not junk 3090s are not junk like no. you know people would still kill for this so it's like the consumerism on the 4090 well, which, just, what are 1080 Ti's going for nowadays? I still got a few of those <laughs> things stacked over yeah. here, you know. I but. know. I think I don't know what happened to mine. Like, <laughs> I think at one point Pickle Nick had them, and I'm just like, meh. I've got some yeah. 2080s, I think, sitting somewhere in a closet. They're like I'm holding like, up your desk or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I need to do. I'm like I know somebody would probably just kill for this. I should just donate it to somebody at this point. You know what I mean? Right. Totally. So. Like, like, find somebody who really needs it at a school or something, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but, uh, yeah, so camp, I mean, we'll briefly talk about camp. Um, we've talked a lot about it in the past, and I think the only thing I wanted to bring up is, is that, uh, you know, there's a lot of behind the scenes work. A lot of people are like, oh, where's it going to be mm. next year and all of that. And, um, yeah. it is quite a process to yes figure that out <laughs> yes it is <laughs> well and especially now because it's like you know year after year uh we just kind of clean the slate and start over again mm -hmm. and given we we know kind of a, a loose structure of how it works year to year yeah just trying to find camps that can uh, accommodate our needs are close to you know certain um, airports or you know just travel stuff uh, mm -hmm. takes so much into consideration all the feedback that we get um, so there's just a lot to kind of digest from the previous camp and then try to implement into the next camp mm -hmm. while trying to find a host for right. that camp um, yeah and it's like there there's variables like of course how far it is from the airport you know, which it was pretty far last year, but, you know, we were willing to make that sacrifice. Um, you know, then there's other things like, what are their alcohol policies? Yeah. You know, right. can can we bring our own alcohol? Do you allow alcohol? You know, can, can right. we serve it ourselves? Do we have to have certain licenses? And then the food, like, there's all of these things, and, like, including the bunks. Oh, well, this place uh, comfortably houses you know 200 people oh okay well that's fine because we don't have 200 people oh but that's only if someone's in every bunk so we've right. got to you know then we got to rent the whole thing and so we kind of had this list of all the criteria now and it's like every time we find one we're like oh this is perfect and then one of those things doesn't yeah. meet the you know yeah so. totally and yeah, it's always so tough to find the right ones, and we've been very fortunate. And every year we've found some really good spots. And uh, yeah, it's always the biggest challenge, but it's also an exciting time because it helps us, you know, find the location. And then we might base any sort of you know branding or theme right. off of the location or or whatnot. You know, so. From a creative standpoint, it's it's definitely exciting. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, we had about a week after camp 
and then we started planning next year so it's <laughs> it's kind of like yeah. you're right into the next one which would be which is great and would be a lot easier if we did it in the same location each year but yeah uh, we don't and you know eventually we'll make it back to some of these locations but, right um but yeah for now it's just you know trying to find the right spots uh that fit what camp's all about our vibe and everything you know so um we've got a few lined up that we need to investigate a little bit more um but i think we we're gonna find a good one this year or for this next year so pretty yeah it's like you know if you're you have to find it so you can figure out that theme like oh is it going to be in texas if so we're going to do a a country western theme if it's going to be you know what (laughs) i mean like if it's going to be in colorado it's going to be something different you know it's like right that would be really that's something that's really important too and so we got to find it quick because we got to start working on like the creative for it i'm excited oh yeah i mean there's a lot of stuff that just goes into it and that's one way we can kind of keep it fresh for us and for the campers and everything is doing different creative things like this past year we did the whole festival guide we Mm -hmm. did you know a lot more of a theme type branding this year than we had in the past um and just adding more to the event um itself so like there's just a lot to do and digest and and then also try to make better for next year so in terms of like yeah um you know the different activities and all that so and we got the surveys out too. check your emails yeah um, if you haven't filled yeah. one out yet um but we've gotten quite a few which is more than we ever had and so that's so great and uh thank you to everyone who filled those out because it it really does help us improve the event so yeah. um so many yeah, good I ideas mean, come from that too you know people We'll, we'll mention one little thing and we're like, wow, why didn't we ever think about that before? You know, so totally, you know, we read all of it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but let's talk about you a little bit because you're on all the time uh, and we talk about camp, but we don't talk about your backgrounds. Where did you go to school? Oh, yeah. Go way back. Uh, so I'm I'm from Vermont here and born and raised here. And then I went to college here as well. Uh, the college I went to was uh, liberal arts, so there's no computer animation or mm-hmm. any anything like that. I mean, this was back. Uh, I graduated college in t- uh, 2003, so you know, I mean, just digital video was new. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so through college, I, I learned a lot of different programs uh, from. Premiere to Flash, you know, like when that whole hmm. everything really kind of moved online. Dreamweaver, remember that? Oh um, yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, through that, you know, I just learned a lot of the tech programs, and I was always into art and uh, video. You know, my roots are in action sports, really, mm-hmm. like skateboarding, snowboarding. Not as much surfing for me because I'm up here in the mountains, but. Um, yeah, just being into outdoor activities like that. And I was always filming my friends and making little edits, uh, you know, VCR to VCR, or camera to camera with the pause and dubbing, you know, music over it. I mean, it was that DIY, grungy, just kind of make it work 
way of doing it and honestly i love that way of doing it it just feels mm-hmm. way more i mean i don't want to say organic but linear like, yeah and it, you're just allowing a lot more they're leaving a lot more up to fate <laughs> right you know what i mean you did um, uh you worked at a uh ski resort right like yeah yeah i yeah. was uh i worked in the the terrain park there doing stuff and you, you know um, making videos and stuff for the mountain as well so my my background is very much from the video standpoint um in in terms of the animation stuff but um also you know i was a fine art major so uh you know sculpting painting all that stuff but mm-hmm. that was more or less it just gave me time to create and i mean I loved my uh, my whole college experience, but the most I got out of it for sure was like my network and the people I met through it, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, even outside of the people I met, just the the network the school has and being an alumni of something, and you even start seeing that now with the online platforms like the MoGraph courses or School of Motion, like. You have alumni still engaged with people and, you mm-hmm. know, posting jobs and whatnot. So uh, that was the biggest benefit of school for me, for sure. Um, but, yeah, and also I, I just had some great professors. And I think that's one thing yeah. that is often left out of the whole education discussion is just the actual professors you have and the ones that are, are there to um, – you know, they might not be the smartest person in that room, right? If we're talking creatively or like with digital video or whatever it may be at the time, uh, but they're there to be a champion for you to keep pushing it further right. and keep exploring and really allow you to um, or give you that space to create and to yeah. fail, to make mistakes, and then help you through that. You know, um, that's so something I, that like yeah. my teachers growing up like some of them weren't necessarily like super well versed in I mean this is all video stuff of course but like not necessarily well versed in the software or or any of that stuff it's just giving you the access to the stuff and allowing you to have the freedom to experiment totally. you know is is yeah. very helpful yeah i mean even outside of the assignments and stuff we would have Multiple times, I would go into the the computer lab <laughs> because that's where they had mm-hmm. the editing decks and stuff. But like um, for logging and transferring the footage, but oh, like yeah. um, there was always people in there just like making stuff, right? You know, um, and I think that is really kind of the coolest thing. And that's one thing that like Freddie Wong talked about at camp was when they were all living together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Corridor Digital kind of crew there, they were all just living together, sleeping on the floor, just making stuff. And yeah. it was, he said, so much fun. They learned so much stuff from it. And, you know, that's what kind of happened to me as well after college is I moved out from Vermont. I moved out to California and lived um, up in the Lake Tahoe area for a bunch of years and we made snowboard videos. And so we would be, you know, capturing snowboarding all winter and then all summer we would edit and just late nights, we're sleeping on the floor, we got the computer, you know, humming in the corner there, you know, and just, but just the uh, the creative energy and just the overall, you know, uh, 
positive vibe of the whole thing. It, it was just we kept feeding off each other and year after year and I don't know it, it those are definitely special times in my life too you know and like I look back and laugh about how I'd get so stressed out about um you know we gotta get the teaser done to launch it on the thing you know and it's like man that was like the smallest little worry now you know like in my life now it's I got kids and a fan it's such a small thing but like back then it was like the biggest right thing you know um and that's all I had to really care about and worry about and just having that room to do it was um just very like invigorating and and got the creative juices really flowing and I don't know it I think that's what also gets me stoked to like be part of the camp thing and on these discords and slacks and chatting with people and we you know used to do monday meetings and just having a community and having a group of people that you can just chat with and be creative and shoot around ideas like i mean that's to me like such a important side of creativity that like um you know it's it's hard doing that at home but the more technologies advance and all that it's now allowing us to do it together with the discords and the zooms right. and all that stuff you know which i guess with monday meetings some people have asked you know what happened with that and you know where did it go are you doing it again and i think totally. you've told me in the past that it kind of has to do with the fact that now i mean back then people weren't hanging out in discords the way they are now you know totally and i mean so liam and i still like <laughs> The URL and like the hosting and all that just like came up for renewal and we're like, should we, do we need to renew it? What, what do you think? So we renewed it for another year. Um, and we just have so much good content up there. And for those who aren't familiar, Monday mm -hmm. meetings, um, were essentially a, a weekly call where we would host a zoom meeting, Liam and I, um, and we, it would just be an open discussion where we would talk about anything from rates to projects to oh check out this piece by this person i wonder how they did it uh to different presentations and guests and all that it was it wasn't really a podcast it was more of like a weekly show um and we had some great great content generated from that but um we stopped doing them about a year ago or so maybe a little bit more now um just because at the time, Liam had just taken a full-time position. We just ran out of, like, kind of time to do it. Yeah, um, because, it's Because, like, as much as we try to keep it, like, really super simple, uh, there's still the posting and writing the stuff and tagging the things and doing all that. It's just like, uh, do we need to keep doing this? Anyway. It's a lot. It's a lot every to, week. Dave, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know what it is with, yeah. like, this show and all yeah. that. But, like, and what you were alluding to, Dave, was that we were doing Monday meeting, like, pre-pandemic. Uh, we were doing it for years. And a lot of the same topics would come back up just because, you know, it's an open new, discussion. New so people and, yeah. Who didn't tune in last week may come in this week and ask the same question, and mm -hmm. which is fine. And you know, there's always different artists and, and people coming through, so it was kept that fresh and fun. Um, but 
now with so many different discords and slacks and different ways to like be together as like artists Monday meeting kind of served its purpose for what it was when it was um and you know I don't I'm not going to say it's dead because we just renewed it and like we could fire it up whenever we want um but you know it it served its purpose for the time it was and you know if that's what it is then great you know um yeah you should but, hold on to that URL for sure I think you yeah, know like totally. when you do something big like that you don't want to let go of the URL you know I'm I'm yeah. a URL hoarder you know yeah. I, I, if I don't use them I might let them go if I don't use them but man like shows that I did back in the day like my first podcast all that stuff that I did like I still pay for, to renew that domain I'm not letting that go you know yeah 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 you never know you never know um, yeah but yeah so who knows what might come of Monday meeting we had a great run I mean we did it for like four years <laughs> or something like that mm-hmm. so like I you know we might be able to fire it back up but there's so many other great resources happening now and discussions online happening now that uh, you know we'll just foster those and let those continue you know yeah huh. yeah so. or you never know you might want to do something different with the same name you know that totally is similar or something yeah and you don't want to yeah you want to keep that you know well uh, and a lot of the monday meeting thing was just like helping build community and all that you know and just being part of the motion graphics community and mm-hmm. and then a lot of that effort also shifted towards like camp um and right um so I, you know, having to fit in client work and family, and there's just, I think we all know how busy we can mm-hmm. get, and adding more stuff to the plate um, is never um, easy, you know? Yeah, and if you've got too many things, then you're just going to do the bare minimum on all those things. Right. You know, right. and that's the thing. You want to be able to devote attention. I was devoting so much attention to MoGraph that I had no bandwidth left, you yeah. know, and I pulled back on a bunch of stuff. You'll see, like, the social media posts and all the little... It's like, you know what? I'm just going to do a show. I'm going to post it. That yeah. That's pretty much all I can afford to do right now. I'm trying to do all these other things behind the scenes and other stuff besides the podcast, you know? Yes, right. Uh, even if it has to do with MoGraph, there's other MoGraph stuff that we're working on. I even like look at look at MoGraph TV, you know, twenty four seven network, and then all of a sudden you got to maintain that. Um, Dude, you've got like eight full time jobs going on. You know, yeah. But. Sometimes you got to step back and really think about okay, what it, what really has to get done. You know. Well, so here's the thing too that I've always wrestled with, because like, I think you you especially as like, and I know we're kind of all over the place here, topic wise, but like. <laughs> As Sorry. as like a business owner, or like a creative person, and you know, there's all these all these not rules but ways of doing things, right? Like you're supposed to post your work and get found, and you do this, right. and you you post your daily, and <laughs> right. you go to here, and you do that, and it's like you know what? If you're happy and you're busy and you're working, and my camera's out of focus, um, you don't need to do it. You don't need to do it because everybody else does it. You know what I mean? Right. And it's like if it's stressing you out and it's like making you burn out and burn the candle on both ends because you're trying to just kind of 
keep up with the Joneses and everybody else does it, so I need to do it. You know, I I've gotten that way, especially around social stuff. I'm like, oh, for sure, man, I I haven't posted for anything sure. on Instagram. So and then I'll make all this effort, post, and like the post gets like an engagement of like thirty. I'm like, oh, cool. right, I'm so glad I did all this, and and it's like I'm busy enough. I don't need to like. Create stuff so that 30 people can scroll past it on Instagram. You know, like, it's just, yeah. And and that stuff is great. It makes you look good as a business, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, but sometimes maybe you got to think about, like, is that worth it or not? I mean, one of the things with MoGraph is, like, God, when was this? This is before we moved into this house. We were in an apartment, uh, had all of my gear crammed into a little room, and, like, uh, it's it's essentially anything going on with the show or anything or the newsletter or whatever. It was just me trying to cobble it together the yeah. best I could, and it did give a good impression that oh hey we're we're a business. Yeah, we're we were making money on classes. We had just started with uh, the Houdini course at the time and other stuff. Mm-hmm. It was starting to make a little bit of money on that, but like, and and it's great. Like it's a it's a great testament to how having that social presence can actually help your brand and whatnot. But like, I, I don't even remember what was going on in the world. You know, I, this is, I believe before COVID, uh, that this happened. Um, so, you know, the, now I feel like these events, the more events that are even more important have gone on since, but there was some social, uh, I don't know. There was, I don't remember what it was now. Something was going on in the world. Right. And, People were upset at us that we had not put our opinion of how we feel about it on the internet. How come your mm. brand hasn't come out, you know, for or against this thing? And it's right. like, what are you talking about? Are you talking about me sitting at this computer in this apartment? Like you, you really, and, and it's like, I'm, I'm like, like I'm flattered that you think we're a giant conglomerate, but it's really just me sitting here at my desk in this apartment right. in in a suburb of of Dallas, Texas. Like <laughs> you don't, you really want my opinion on that? You really want our brand to have this opinion on this social thing? B- because it's just me sitting here. Right. Like it's just right. me sitting here trying to get a podcast out for free. Like, I don't think that what I'm doing is really going to help that. If you want my opinion, I can tell you my opinion on this social uh, concern. But, like, you know, it's weird. Hey, this is Dave. I just wanted to stop for a moment and thank our sponsor, Otoy, the creators of Render Network and, of course, Octane. But I don't have to tell you that. You know who they are. You see the results of their render engine all over the interwebs. And we're very grateful that they're supporting what we're doing at MoGraph.com from this podcast to MoGraph TV to events like local meetups and Camp MoGraph and all our community building efforts. We can't wait to show you what's in store. All thanks to their support. Go check them out at Otoy.com. Now back to the madness. You were doing all of that stuff, but we haven't really linked together how all of a sudden now you are working for yourself, doing things in Cinema 4D, Houdini, all the other stuff. How did you get there? Did you go work somewhere? Did you just decide to do contracts? Yeah, so uh, after spending some time in the Lake Tahoe area, uh, we moved back to Vermont, and during that time I was freelancing and doing contract work, kind of 
under the video kind of design type umbrella animation, you know, just like you do when you first kind of jump in, taking anything. Um, but then I started working at Burton Snowboards, uh, and there I was the uh, the internal video editor and animator. And we had a bunch of contractors and stuff, but I was kind of the head internal person there for it. Um, and as the years went by, I was focusing more on animation and doing more 3D stuff um, and created a few campaigns using some 3D assets and saw some light bulbs go off in the different marketing people and like the VPs and people are really like interested in this 3D rendering of product, you know, uh, because it allows us to um, iterate colorways and change and you know adjust to changes and all this stuff relatively quick uh compared to having to have a, a sample made uh in like a one-off factory somewhere having mm-hmm. that shipped over to the u.s you know setting up a photo studio taking pictures of the product and then god forbid something changes you've got right. to redo that whole process and that process is weeks long and who knows now it's probably even more um, so I saw a lot of light bulbs go off. I had put some feelers out around the industry and, and different people I knew that worked at different industries, uh, excuse me, different companies in the outdoor industry. And come to find out a lot of these major players were already using like photogrammetry and stuff like that for mm-hmm. products on their website. Uh, a, a, a real famous one um that has done a lot of that uh, is ikea right ikea does right. a lot of their render or a lot of their imagery is render um and so like just seeing stuff like that i'm like okay there's gotta be uh, you know work out here because given i was already working in my dream job i had wanted to work at burton snowboards for so long i wanted to edit snowboard videos and make cool snowboard stuff and I was able to get there, and after about seven years there, I just kind of felt like I had hit the ceiling. I wanted to do more, and within that role, I could only do so much. So um, at that time, I had actually got recruited away um, from Burton to go work at a studio uh, based out of uh, a town north of Boston. And so I started working for them, and. Uh, it was going to mean that I would have to move from Vermont down to Massachusetts, you know, sell the house we were currently in, mm-hmm. uproot the whole family. And like, unless I was, you know, 1000% gung ho on this job, um, I, I wasn't, I didn't want to move, you know, and yeah. it got to that point where I wasn't super gung ho. And I decided just to do my own thing. Um, I had saved up money because we were going to move. So I was saving for that move. And so it gave me runway to jump out on my own thing. I knew if I wasn't going to land any projects right off the bat, I'd be able to, you know, float our way through financially and um, take care of the family. Um, But turns out I kind of announced that I was doing freelance stuff or working for myself. And the jobs just started coming in mm-hmm. um so again kind of proving the theory that like the whole product viz thing was really starting to take off uh and especially in the kind of outdoor slash lifestyle industries mm-hmm. um you know 
I would say like tech industries and certain you know uh, certain industries like that had already been very privy to any sort of 3D renderings. I mean, think about like Intel commercials or car mm-hmm. commercial. You know, they've had a lot of CGI already. But yeah. moving into that that outdoor industry, uh, it was pretty fresh for people, and it still is. Um, so anyway, uh, that you know started picking up steam, and since that was picking up so much steam. The project became bigger than myself, um, so I started my own little studio called Profanity Creative, and it's essentially myself with a team in a roster of uh, trusted freelancers um, that I use all the time, and uh, we can scale up and down however we mm-hmm. need to for for the job. But you know, it was one of those things that I wanted to become. Uh, a name that wasn't like my personal name uh, because A, I wasn't doing all the work myself. So I felt kind of, you know, guilty about putting it on my website if, you know, uh, but also if I really wanted to start growing this thing, I felt that I would get a seat at the table to some bigger projects as profanity creative rather Absolutely. than Mark Right. Because if, if you're thinking about how a studio or a brand may run, marketing might say, all right, cool, we're gonna use Mark, it's gonna be great. Then finance sees, oh, this budget going to Mark Cernozzi, like, who's right. this guy? who's this you guy? Yeah. But if, if I'm a LLC, like studio name, what it, mm-hmm. like, it's just, okay, cool, you know, check. Um, so it's just like little things like that uh, that just over time has allowed me to kind of grow uh, profanity into what it is now. And, you know, I, I still run it the same way as I, as I started it and scale up when we need to. I've definitely thought about having some full-time employees. Um, but, you know, as of now, it's something I still consider, but we'll have to just kind of see what time uh, what time brings yeah <laughs> yeah and I'm a, I'm a big uh, proponent of that I I been I think I mentioned a couple times lately that like I love the thought of okay this is your personal renders page this is your personal Instagram page but also here is your company Instagram page and that one might not have like your dailies in it it might not have it, it might have more it might have some of the f- closer to for the meal things that you've done like yeah. you know i i do uh product renderings and things too um you know especially the colorways all that kind of stuff like like it can be lucrative like when someone comes to you and say hey i've got this model i need 50 different still renders of this and 50 different colors you can charge a decent amount of money for something like that you know and yeah. um and you're not going to put that like on your cool instagram page with your reels and your cool dailies and stuff you know you put that on the other page and if that has a company name your website has that stuff on it of course because you want to sell that you know um then you can play it both ways you could be a contractor if someone likes that if they think your render is fire and they want to like hire you or yeah. a studio or a you know more like like an ad agency will come to you and be like oh we need this studio to work on this thing you right. know advertise right. yourself both ways why not yeah yeah 
Yeah, and you know, it's uh, it's definitely been a learning curve because again, I I come from more of the creative side rather than like a business side, but ha- I have taken a couple creative business classes that mm-hmm. have really allowed me to understand the business a bit more, um, understand how clients think a bit better. Um, and, you know, even just narrowing down positioning and stuff like that um, has really been um, beneficial to me just over the years. And uh, one thing that I never really realized was the whole positioning thing. And, you know, when I first started out doing my own uh, contract work, I was like, I'm an animator. I can do it all. Like, hit me up if you need work, you know. Um and then through some of these classes I've taken and through different discussions and all that, it's it's come to my realization that positioning and niching yourself down, it seems terrifying, but it also just creates that room for you to be the expert in right. that thing. Absolutely. So like, if there's a new client that comes to me, they're coming to me either well most of the time it's through referral and whatnot but they're coming to me and to us because we do product visualization for the outdoor and lifestyle industries and Mm -hmm. we can speak that talk or we can talk that talk we can walk that walk that's what we do that's our roots and and all that so it's the more i've niched down the more work I've actually gotten. And I thought it was going to be like opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, well, if I'm taking all these potential clients and just grabbing just these, this little sliver and only addressing those, uh, like, isn't that totally counterintuitive to like how you should be running a business and what? But, you know, if you think about it, if you need to wire your house, right, or you, you got a plumber. It, for a pool you hire the pool guy to come plumb your pool or whatever it needs right you're not just getting joe the plumber from down the street you're getting the specialist because they know how to do it you know right the pool um, plumbing specialist analogy. <laughs> the one that is is you know that works with the pool guy all the time right exactly yeah exactly and yeah. so like you're already creating yourself uh or putting yourself in that position in right uh, uh, of being a uh, uh an expert in what you do right uh, an example would be led wall content um i have done many concert tours over the years so i have that background and i know how to talk to people about led walls and live production stuff and i know how things interface and just i can wrap my head around something that's being described to me because i have that experience and so people and i don't do like virtual production you know like the volumes and stuff but this is more like you know digital sets and things and weird formats and like right that's something i do a lot of now because people go to work with me and then they're like oh you understand what i'm talking about when i say these these terms Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. we're using this machine oh okay cool so that has this kind of server you know and they're like how do you know that as well i've just been doing it you know well and if you think about it too it, it you know just the positioning alone like is already like if you have that kickoff call with a client or a discovery call or whatnot with them mm hmm they're already positioning you as that expert, right. but then um, 
it just makes it easier for you to um, to hopefully, if you land that gig, get repeat business or referrals because if they can pass you that project and have confidence that you're going to just do it and knock it out of the park, um, you know, depending on what your budgets may be, what like that person's just going to pay it because you're going to make their life a hell of a lot easier. <laughs> right. You know? And they're uh, just, there's a lot of subtle things that'll come up in that too. That'll just make them feel comfortable if you're in exactly. that niche, you know, like again, coming back to the led wall stuff, right? If, if somebody wants to hire somebody to make content from an led wall and they just find somebody cause their renders are fire on the internet. Mm-hmm. Well, it, once they get in a meeting and they say, hey, is this going to be a problem because the pixel pitch is such and such? And then the person is like, the what? Yeah, you know? right. Like, how many motion designers know about pixel pitch in an LED wall? Some of them, mm-hmm. you know, but not all of them. So if they're talking about pixel pitch and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, cool. And and you just flow through that conversation. They're like, oh, they, they get this. You know, that subconsciously makes them feel comfortable because they feel like everything they're talking about is well understood. It's super valuable. Yep. Yep. So don't be, don't be scared. Don't be scared to like, you (laughs) know, pursue that niche even. And and again, pursue it and put your other stuff out there if you want to, but like figure out how you're going to get to those people because you know, only the stuff that you're putting out there is the stuff that you're going to get. I don't know how many times this has to be said, but right. if you are just jonesing to work on a title sequence for a film and you've never put that on the internet and you've only put your architectural visualizations out there, nobody's ever going to come to you f- yeah. for that. Yeah. So totally. I got a question for you though, along these lines. Oh, let's uh, go. it's something from my notes actually. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about a client. Hopefully they're not listening. It's all good. It's it, they have since apologized to me, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna just quickly go through this story. Um, I was unavailable to work on a project at one point, um, and everybody who usually from a contract basis uh, works for me was busy or with me, right? And there's nobody to work on it. Like, and this client knew I wasn't going to be around. We had to finish a project ahead of time. I was like, I'm telling you, you you have to know, I'm not going to take this project unless you understand that between this date and this date, I'm not available. Nobody else is available. I'm going to be not available via phone. Like, you, you understand that. And they're like, yes, okay. Of course, what happens? Their client wants to change. And I'm not available. And the people I'm with are not available. And the people I contract to are not available. So there's one person available, and I say, look, I, I'm like on my phone attaching him. I'm like, okay, this person can help you through this. We figured it out. I told him the situation going on. And in the end, they were like, oh, we got it taken care of. I don't know how they got it taken care of because they didn't have my files. So <laughs> I have no idea how it got taken care of. But um, then another gig came up when I got back into town. They contacted me for a quote and they also contacted that person for a quote and like right off the bat it's like i gave you this this Mm. contractor that i always work with you know in in this situation uh i gave that contact info to you because i like just added the person on my phone real quick um that person usually has an email address through my company 
right? Uh-huh. So so it looks like profesh, right? But that's hard to do. You can't go to, and you can't expect every contractor you work with to have an email address for your company and log into that separately and all of that. Like like you kind of with clients end up having a kind of a hidden quiet understanding that like if you are subcontracting through your company to do this stuff and sometimes they talk to somebody who you're subcontracting with that they're not going to try and go around you if they're a decent client right they're not trying to go behind your back and and then of course if you have contractors that you know you share work you know it goes both ways you know a lot of these people they come to me and i work for them i'm not going to go after their clients i know that that would be like burning bridges you know, I'm not going to go after your clients if, if you know, if yeah. you ask me to help you on a project. But it, what if that client came to me? I would tell you, you know, and yeah. and of course, this person told me that, hey, they asked for a they asked for a quote from me, too. And I, I just emailed the client. I said, hey, that's not cool that you did that. That's really not cool. Like, like I gave you this in confidence. Usually they have an address. But like, this is my guy. Like you're trying to yeah. go around me and, and they kind of apologize. They kind of realize what they did, I think. But like, so, so my question comes down to like, when you deal with that, how do you deal with that? If you have, if you have contractor friends and contractor, you know, associates, you can't give them all an email address. No. You yeah. know, how do you deal with that? You know, do, if you're trying to be this quote unquote studio um, and you do have kind of a chain uh, of reliable people that you go through to scale up and scale down. How do you handle that? You know, I, I can see if you have a couple main people, maybe they get an email address, you know, but mm-hmm. for the most part, like, how do you handle it? How do you, do you, you can't give everyone an email address. Do you try and keep them out of the conversation? Do you try and be the go between? Do you try to be the producer? You know, and just yeah, have it go through absolutely. you anyway. Like, how do you involve people without other people trying to, like, go around you the next time? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, <clears throat> I think at least in in my line of work, um, it doesn't happen often. It, well, let me say this. The people I work with don't get an email. They're, I just hire them and we work together through Slack right. and Discord and, and all that. Uh, more of the reason for that too is so all communication funnels through me right. and then goes out, you know, in and out through me. And no information gets crossed up and whatnot. Um, so I, that's how I like to run it. Also, you know, a lot of these clients uh, are existing clients that I've had for a while, or even if they're new clients, you know, they're coming to me because they were referred to me, to me, you know, and I can I can talk snowboarding all day with them and, you know, whatever it may be. Um, so that's kind of how I like to operate it. Um, if there are uh, times where I can't help the client out, uh, I will put them in touch with somebody. Um, and just say like, hey, I don't have the bandwidth now, but this person does. Um, I've always had those clients come back for other gigs. I, I've never had them bid against me with these people. Um, 
But I've also been on the receiving end of that, like where I've been uh, asked to give a bid on a job that I know a buddy has had for the last like three or four years. Right. You know, and I'm yeah. like, mm, I'm not going to bid on that. Right. And, and everyone's got their own way of doing it. But like I didn't bid on it and I called my friend and just let him know that they're shopping it around. Like right. I, I don't know if you want to address that or whatnot, but you should probably know that. Sometimes uh, it's good to know that as like insider information, you know. Totally. Uh, well, I mean it was a know. it was like a big broadcast package for a very high level event and um I was like mm, Okay, yeah, thanks. Flattered. You know, but uh, I think I said that we don't have time or whatnot. But um, anyway, yeah. It, I mean, if anything, it's a good it's a good thing to go by if you're new to the industry. You know, mm -hmm. think about think about that um, as far as your associates and other people you're working with. That's that that those are kind of like the code of ethics. Um, but. It can be used. It can be used in a good way. You know, if you know that you have a friend that uh, is, they tell you of this situation, and they're like, "Look, I I'm not going to bid on it," or you know, I'm going to bid the same thing you are, so that it's like, so that they understand that like this is the value of this project, you know, and I, I won't actually take it. I'll turn it down, or just something. You know, that's happened before. You know. Mm. Uh, at camp, somebody asked me to bid on something and asked Matt to bid on something and asked uh, other people to bid on things that were, um, you know, we, we all knew behind the scenes that they were shopping it around because they were cheap. And none of us actually wanted to do the work. That's the funny part. None right. of us actually wanted the gig. It was just funny to watch them go in circles, and then you send them a number, number, and they're like, "Okay, okay, we'll get back with you," and immediately call Matt sitting next to me and ask the same question. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so in that case, I I did tell the client, "Hey, I I know what you're doing," uh, but sometimes it might work to your advantage. So yep. you know, to not tell them, to just keep that a secret and be like, "All right, I see what you're doing." Trades. All right. All right. Um, another question for you here. How many times, if you're doing, let's say you're doing a daily, okay, or not a, not an actual daily, but you're working on a project, maybe a week, a weekly. How many times do you render? How, I'm just curious. Like, like to like the picture viewer or something. Yeah, like how many times do you run through your render? Do you do the whole thing and then render it at the end? Um, do you render in low sample? Do you render previews? Like, oh, how many renders yeah. do you go through on average? You think? Do you do dailies? Do you do daily renders? I don't do dailies anymore. I used to. Not not like, like daily project. projects, but I mean overnight. If you're working on the project, do you do like okay? It's oh, the end of like the night. Dailies like that. Yeah. Right. No. Yeah. No. I mean sometimes. But if I if I'm doing kind of like play blast stuff, like it would be either like a wireframe type hardware render or mm -hmm. um, a super low sample. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I'm not rendering the high res frames until the end. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same way. I was just curious because I don't. I, sometimes I wonder if everyone else is as nonlinear as I am. I feel like I'm very ADD. And so I'll start a project and 
you know, I'll do a little bit of a wireframe and then I'll work on the music and then I'll come back to the wireframe because like I want the music to match, but I don't want to like build the whole thing until I know yeah. if the music, you know. Yeah. And then I'll low sample maybe like 30 frames one night or, or maybe I need high res. I'll do half of it high res just so I can make sure it looks okay. Yeah. Check the timing. You know, the next day I'll render out the other half or something, you know, and it's all in pieces and I'm back and forth to After Effects, but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting, and like, this is what I've done. Sometimes, if I need to see, like a, a, a better than a low sample per se, is like, if I do a low sample play blast, it maybe it's at like seven twenty or something. Right. Like that, right. Yeah. But I could also do like a medium res, like medium sample type thing, and make it like six forty by three. 20 right. or whatever 360 uh and so it's small but it the quality's there and it's it almost renders faster because it's, oh, yeah. it's not as many buckets right right um yeah so, i'll like, do that and put it like in that, after effects i mean i'm yeah. always refining my kind of workflow i feel like but um yeah i'll put everything in after effects as a pre-comp right so and and scale that up like 200 percent right and then work yeah. with that pre-comp in my in my main comp so that I know it's all going to line up in the end and then when the <laughs> final render happens just refresh it and change the scale in the pre-comp right you know right. Um, but yeah sometimes if I need to get those actual renders out just doing a smaller size at a higher sample is actually faster sometimes because I don't know I, I mean, feel like I kind of have to feel like I, I have a feel for the entire project before I hit render like I like yeah. to have at least some audio synced with it and you know just some of the comping done like that's why i'm saying i'm so non-linear i'm all over the place but i feel like i really need all that almost like 80 percent, 85 percent locked in before i do a, a high-res render yeah totally if you're gonna spend time or even money yeah. if you throw it to a farm right but, that too yeah yeah and i've i've really been getting into and i know you're into ableton too but um you know, more and more, I'm just really digging into doing audio for my projects as well. Like mm. Ableton, doing, you know, it starts in Premiere and you put like a song to it or something. And maybe you put yeah. some sound effects. Then you're like, oh, I really need to step this up. And then you'll export and go to like Ableton um, or some other type of similar program. Layering audio. It is so much fun. And totally. if you've never done it before, I, I encourage you to like... Well, and it's Dive the same. It's to me, it's pretty much the same thing as editing, like video mm -hmm. editing. You know, it's track based, layers. You know, kind of stacking layers, right. mixing things together, beats, reading waveforms. Like, I mean, it's very similar. And yeah, I've always, I've always loved making music, and I suck at it, but <laughs> it's just fun to same. like jam out <laughs> on things. Yeah. Like my buddy growing up and he's turned into like a pretty big like music producer but his name's morgan page and he's um he actually won a grammy with dead mouse oh for, nice uh, dead mouse remixed one of his tracks and anyway um or i don't know if he won it or if he was just nominated either way mm -hmm. it was a big accolade and an honor uh, just to be nominated to, what's that so it's an honor just to be nominated exactly exactly <laughs> um but he grew up with like a, a MPC, and he was always doing like 
electronic music and I was more into like hip hop and stuff. But through that, we were like sampling, you know, old CDs and vinyl and tapes and because he had all this like audio gear and we were in like eighth grade, you know, I mean, this was a long time ago. And I mean, he was like, programming like 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 okay yeah i guess that's cool but you know it was so early on using computers to generate the music mm-hmm. uh and then like mpcs were really kind of bridging that gap and now it is you can have a full-on music studio and a laptop oh yeah yeah <laughs> so it's incredible um, but yeah i've always enjoyed making the stuff and that's a you know i think one thing that we've kind of fallen upon with a theme for this whole show is just like the different creative inspirations and, and the different ways of creating like I mean that's what's so fun about camp is it scratches a different creative itch for me mm-hmm. like doing like graphic design yeah. stuff in event whatever and you know music's the same way like let's go make a bunch of beats it's super fun and like I don't know it I'm not that precious about it, and maybe that's part of it too. It's just like, oh, cool, that sounds good, you know. And like the more yeah. you do that, well, it can make you, you more excited about your piece too. Because like, say yeah. you kind of block things out, you do an animatic or something, or even a wire, a quick wireframe, and you bring yeah. that in as a reference, and you mix the audio. All of a sudden, it has this life to it. Hi, my name is Sashia Dumont. I'm a writer, actor, and filmmaker. Hi, my name is Paul Robinson. I'm a director, DP, and filmmaker. We are the creators and hosts of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, an online source for all things indie film. We are a husband and wife film team and co-owners of Send3 Productions, and we started this podcast for filmmakers like ourselves who were producing on micro budgets with Skeleton Crews. Go Gorilla is a weekly podcast that features various talents in TV, film, and web series productions. We've interviewed filmmaker powerhouses like Kestrin Pantera, Richard Raymond, Alex Ferrari, Cassandra Ebner, and Ryan Connolly. Amazing actors like Hannah Ward, Lou Taylor Pucci, Chris Wataski, and Eileen Gruba. Groundbreaking cinematographers like Jody Lee Lipes and Jessica Lee Gagne, and many more. We also offer weekly reviews of our favorite films and shows, which vary from low-budget first-time filmmakers to A-listers and everyone in between. Go Gorilla is proud to announce that we have officially joined the MoGraph Podcast Network. So if you love filmmaking as much as we do, tune in every Sunday for a new episode of the Go Gorilla Filmcast. Your, your source, source for, for all things indie film. film. Now available on the MoGraph Podcast Network. And it's like, oh, now I'm excited to go back into cinema and like really finish this out because now it's looking like it really boosts your your and and it lets you take a break too you know go to that other creative field and sometimes it's it's very helpful in in even coming up with ideas for what you want to do with a visual oh for sure like you know like in your beat you need like a drum fill and it's gonna be like and you're like oh you already can see that part of the edit or that part of the animation you know so like plan stuff like that and I mean, even, like you said, throwing some temp tracks down just to, like, get the vibe and, like, mm-hmm. does this, is this how I want to feel it? Like, I just remembered make doing that with, like, these old skate videos and snowboard videos we would make, like, mm-hmm. trying mm-hmm. to find the songs where we would have, yeah. like, a rough cut of the part and drop in, like, auditioning different songs and, yeah. like, certain ones would just work and you're like, 
jumping up and down. You're like, oh my god! Yeah. I don't even have to like edit this. Right. This is insane. You know, it just yeah. even those like little moments of inspiration or. I just love it, you know. I've done that with demo reels. I'll take, okay, here's all the cuts that I like. Here's the, you know, one, two seconds of each thing that yeah. I like. Throw them all in a timeline and just take, like, ten different tracks and throw it under and see which one feels better. Totally. You know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I love that. And then that's where you find some of those happy accidents, you know? Like right. Like, the, the fills that need a quick, like, whatever, the the smoke explosion to hit, yeah. you know, and yeah. you're like, oh, it's perfect, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, we haven't talked about much lately on the show having to do with the updates to Cinema 4D, and, you know, we've been doing camp and all that stuff, and it kind of got lost in there, but this 2023, you've got, um, you know, first of all, the fact that it's 2023, they're using the year now. Right. Uh, oh, hey, Rev's here. What's up, Rev? Um you've got the new cloth stuff and the rope stuff and um um they're they're teasing some stuff now this is interesting because um i like that they've been teasing stuff ahead of time like you'll get kind of the inside info uh by watching some of these presentations you know like uh, mm -hmm. in vancouver they showed stuff off early i love that i mean that's what otoy does you know, like I, I know sometimes it takes a while to get the features, but they do eventually happen. Uh, you know, uh, when when Jules comes on and talks about all this stuff, it gets you excited. And I, I think that them doing that in Vancouver really helped get people excited about upcoming features and, um, you know, things that you'd be able to do with the software. Um, with C4D, one of the things that just came out is McGavern actually posted like this house on fire. You know, and everybody's like, wait a minute, what is that? Is that Embergen? What, like, what is this? And he kind of like winky faced it or whatever. And it was like, he's not saying what it is. And even uh, Paul Babb was like, oh, you're such a tease. And um, uh, Rick commented at MoGraph, he said that that render is literally fire or something like that. But it's like a house that is uh on fire and and something that ej mentioned he, he's got a two good tutorials that he just came out with one on school of motion on you know all the new cloth stuff and one on uh the clay the like doing claymation stuff that he did for grayscale gorilla's new yeah. tactile and yeah. he mentioned in there in one of those videos that um he's talking about the particle system right like the like the cloth is it's based on particles you know same mm -hmm. thing with like XP, it's particle-based cloth, right? Like, that's how mm -hmm. the sims work. And he's like, okay, well, if they're doing this, what else could they do with, you know, are, are they going to fire, right. uh, smoke, liquid? Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see where they're going with this stuff right now, you know? Um, yeah. I don't know when they'd be making a big announcement. I feel like 2023 just came out, you know? Yeah. Maybe. Um, I have no well, inside info on that, by the way. They should but. just buy Turbulence FD and then just implement yeah. it. I'm digging Turbulence, and I still dig Turbulence. But it hasn't been updated in so long, right? Or maybe didn't it get an update maybe a year ago or something? But like, I feel like TFD has been very... Well, they're doing some other thing, too. It's like a separate program that they're working on or something. Okay. I don't really Jenga, know. Jenga Effects? Jenga Effects. Well, that's the, the name of the company that does right 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 um i mean i was using it last night my only beef is that it can get crashy 
You know, yeah. I mean, if you're working in turbulence, FD, just be saving. Hey, ABC, always be saving. Always be saving. Yeah. Um, I'm still like people are like, oh, yeah, but I played with Ember Jen. And it's like, yeah, but it's not in cinema. Right. It's not in cinema. You don't understand. It's so easy for me. Make that a collider. Don't export that along with your scene and make sure the yeah. scene scales right and bring it into another program. And then that geo isn't right because it was a primitive and you didn't export it. Like, I want it in cinema. If you're yeah. a Blender person, you want it in Blender. Like going to an external program. Anyway, um, so when it comes to the fire, I really hope that that's something cinema does. And and for one thing, I, I don't believe TFD lets you get that vector, uh, your motion vector information still. Mm. I don't believe, be, like for motion blur. I don't believe it does. I was still trying to figure that out last night. Because you can bring in XYZ vector information from, like, into Octane when it comes to right, rendering right. out your your uh, smoke. But if you if you don't have a place to get that from, then, you know, you're going to yes. have to RSMB that, that shit. Oh, Nobody wants to do that. Um, yeah, no, totally. And as we're talking about, like, little plug-in thingies and cinema stuff. Ah, uh, uh, yes. So, man, it must have been a year or so ago, I came across this one link. It's a plug-in. Uh, it, hang on, let me find out the name of it. It is, um, like, XO, hang on. Yeah, you sent it, it to me the other day. XOL, XOL, OTL Studio. All right. Not quite sure. But they have this plug-in, and they have it for a bunch of different uh, softwares and DCCs and stuff, um, but it's essentially a live link between Cinema and Substance Painter, and it is oh. quite amazing. Like, I thought you were talking about a different plug -in. It sends everything over. Yes. Paint, send it back. It's just – it's, uh, it's great. Know, it's essentially, it, it takes out that workflow of like export the FBX. It does it all behind the scenes, and yeah. it just like pops up in there. And I've been working on a uh, uh, project. Um, the most recent project I've been working on has been heavily detailed textures and whatnot that have to be physically accurate. So I've been doing a lot of stuff in Painter, and um, yeah, it's been a lifesaver. It, yeah. It's just so easy to go back and forth. I have a copy of it as well, and and um, uh, Joey Camacho actually used it in his presentation in Vancouver at Seagraph this year. It's, oh, it's nice. awesome! Yeah, it's just like this random plugin. You know, you go to the website and it's kind of a janky website, and you're like, "Is this is this it? Is this what I was looking for?" And uh, yeah, it's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it's super. It's super cool. It's one of those. You know, it's one of those plugins that you end up getting you're like how did i not have this thing before yeah it changes and, your work you know it just yeah. makes it so much easier i mean the same thing with the um c4d to ae pro that mm -hmm. is it lasse um and uh and also what what's the ae one that does the export instead of um media encoder it's called oh, uh, uh like the FFmpeg, but then there's Doom. No, I've got it's Doom. Called, Doom's uh, essentially a skin for FFmpeg. 
Oh, you're talking about um, export an MP4 Anubis. Anubis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, lots of fun like little little plugins. But that that's a good one for sure. I thought and you were talking about it's only like twenty bucks. It's like yeah. worth its weight in gold. I thought you were talking about the plugin you sent me the other day for organizing your materials in Cinema because we should talk about that. Yeah, come on, that should be a default thing that's mm-hmm. is included in Cinema. Essentially, so in this project, I've had a massive list of materials, and it's labeled by product and and all this stuff. But there's no way to like search materials in Cinema. But there is or a plugin. <laughs> it's like ten pounds or something like that. I'm not sure what it is, but uh, that is essentially like a search, like a material search thing for cinema. Um, and I did find that cinema does have sort materials, and it will sort it by in alphabetical order. But there's no way to like filter it out, you know, yeah. or say, you know. Um, reverse the alphabetical order or whatnot so anyway i think that's a a cool function that would be great to see just natively in the app there's a lot of things like that i would even when it comes to like octane materials have you ever um have you ever had to change something on a group of materials at the same time like um for example let's say you have 10 materials and they're all very similar. Let's say you had 10 glass materials, but all of them you needed, like they were all different colors, but you needed to change the specular on all of them, right? Like mm-hmm. you, and, and you just need to take them all down by like 10%. So you select all 10 of those and you click on specular and you change it. Well, what happens though when you have 100 materials and you don't remember which ones were diffuse materials and which ones were glossy materials. Well, when you select them all, your your uh, object attributes manager thing on the side comes up and there's no specular, like, or you'll go to a, a, a certain field and it's not available. And so you can't change it across the board because one of those hundred materials that you selected is a diffuse material and not a specular material. Right, right, right. right. Like some way to to put some sort of sorting in to help you figure this stuff out. And I know Octane's a little different because it's third party material, you know. But but still, there are so many times where stuff like that just is a it it, it just needs a little bit of organization, like a spreadsheet, and then I would be able to make my workflow a lot or faster. Even, even just implementing the object manager search into the material window right where you can just drop it down you can type something yeah. in it'll it will populate that then for you or you can filter it down and instead of filtering by tags that has like material normal whatever it's like diffuse specular subsurface you know like and you could just filter that way really quick too and I want to be able to use multiple layers because, like, what Vernon is saying, you know, you, you add material to a layer and then sort it. Well, what if some of your layers, it's like, uh, you know, you want to sort by red materials. Yeah, right. But also glossy materials. You can add only one layer at a time, mm-hmm. you know. Um, a good example of that is, and, and this is another beef that that I that I have with Cinema that I, there needs to be a plug-in or something. 
if I have a complex scene, and I know you were working on a particular complex scene recently that that you know um, I took a look at because it mm-hmm. was so heavy. Um, when something is that complex, or let's say you have a lot of sims, or you got a lot of particles, or you got like volume builder. Great example is I'll be working in something and I've got like ten volume builders because I'm not done with them. I don't want to turn them into geo yet because mm-hmm. I'm not ready. I might need to go back. They're trying to update every frame. Okay, well I'll turn them off. Well, how do I do that? I got to do a search for volume builder and then I got to go through and select them all and I got to turn them off mm-hmm. and then I got to remember the names of the things to turn them back on and then my, where's my particles? What are they named? The easy thing to do is to add those to a layer, right? Mm-hmm. So I have a layer called mute. And yep. if I'm working in a complex scene and I, okay, I'm like, okay, I'm done with part one. Like the the piece that I just posted, it had a bunch of like vials of, you know, like syringes. Yeah, and in yeah. the second part, there's this whole other thing with like, you know, some dynamics and it's got a whole like a, a whole nother second part to the scene. Well, I want to turn off all that stuff at the beginning because it's making my view for my viewport so incredibly ass slow mm-hmm. that I, I just, I can't turn them off. You, you can turn off the traffic lights, but it's still calculating in the background. It's still right. slow. You have to select every child of all of those things, yep. assign them to a layer, then go to that layer, turn it off in the viewport, turn off generators, turn off express. Like you've got to go through this, but then if they're already assigned to something, like maybe they're assigned to a layer of part one. This is all my stuff from part one. I don't necessarily want to turn off all of that layering that I spent all that time. I want to add right. another layer. My beef is like there needs to be an easy way to tell your viewport not to worry about certain things, you know, easily. Mm. Like how do you can mute stuff. You can solo stuff. Yeah, but how about the opposite? And, and yeah, you know yeah. it's funny. Like how I have my setup, right? Like, so how I build my shots are like, uh, if I have multiple products, each product gets put on its own layer, and then mm-hmm. each take corresponds to that layer. And then mm-hmm. if there's multiple shots for that take, those are sub takes, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, the layer system. Uh, I dock it's the CV what is it the CV uh, the CV layer comps Mm -hmm. toolbar I dock right above my layer window because it has a whole mute layers button Mm -hmm. and so like you can just click on the layer hit mute layer and it just blacks the whole thing out Um, so that saves a few clicks right Um, but yes, I mean, keeping everything like in like a muted layer or a hidden layer uh, that you need to hide, like I do that too. The one thing, and, and this is what, this is a request line thing, uh, that when you're selected on a layer, like, cause if you're working in layers and takes and you're bouncing all around, like without a doubt, you're gonna leave a layer like selected right mm-hmm. and say you add a new material that new material automatically gets tagged to that layer that would be nice no it that's that's how it works and oh. so if you don't know Wait. you're highlighted on oh. the green layer you make a new material 
you hide the green layer because that's your like muted layer. Then oh, the all of a sudden okay. you can't find that material because it's now hidden. Right. Because it automatically got tagged. So like there's been a yeah. lot of times where I'm like, what the heck? Like this has a graphic on it, but there's no material. And so or I have something. To, like, go through, turn all the layers back on, and sure enough, it's been tagged with a, a hidden layer. You know. Right. Um, I was thinking about objects because if you put a new object in something inside of something, it wouldn't add that layer. Like if you put like a new piece of geo, it would be cool if you could uh, give yeah. a layer, say say this null, uh, anything under this null automatically has it's this tagged. layer. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. Children, okay. like apply to children, right? Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, I did with so with this workflow. A lot of times, it's like you have to select the root null and all the children add them to a layer. Mm -hmm. You know, so like I just made. I have Alt A as a keyboard shortcut to select all children. Um, oh, okay. And that, like, just little things like that have been um, such a time saver. Because, I mean, we've talked about it before, just on so many different podcasts and whatnot. But like, if you if you're doing the same thing like multiple times in like a shot, <laughs> like you yeah. should make that a, a preset or whatever it is. Right. Or at least a shortcut or, yeah, but, exactly. but one of the things that I would love for them to add it, along that, along those lines is a way to find out what's taking up all of that processing power. Because sometimes the, the scene is huge. It's like, I, yeah. what is slowing this stupid thing down? If I could just see just like in the new after effects where it gives you the milliseconds yeah. and Oh, this null right here takes up like half your cpu right now totally. or even just give me a polygon count right because like it yeah. already generates it if you select it in the viewport yeah right like it, in the little hud um and then also within the project you can do um the project tab right there's a the lot of steps or, to get I there what it is yeah it's in the info or it's something. in there yeah. somewhere but um so it's already generating that information i would love it to say like, okay, you've got 10 million polys in your scene and eight of them are in this piece of geo, you know? Right. Because that one scene you were talking about uh, earlier that yeah. I had you look at, there was one piece of geo mm -hmm. that was like a circuit board, like With 25 million polys or something. Into this thing yeah. That was like 6 million polygons or yeah. something insane. And, uh, yeah, my viewport just couldn't play anything. And then as soon yeah. as that, that you couldn't even see, you know, it was fine. But it took me so long to find it. I know? also want the option to viewport, but leaving the set setting on for render instances in the render. Mm. Because if you have a heavy scene and it requires you for some reason to, like, uh, you can render instance, but sometimes that means in render instancing, like with Octane, you still have to manage your viewport, and your viewport is slow unless you put it on multi-instancing, and you put it on multi-instancing, and it's better, but you have to, like, you know, change it. Anyway, um, so there, I got some AI stuff that I that I just quickly wanted to go through um, because you got, you got stuff like meta... Um, you know, they say that they're coming out with like some now sort with of AI. Legs. What? Now with legs. Yeah. Did you hear about that? Or right? 
Isn't that the whole thing? Like their metaverse, your your character's gonna have legs. Right, right, right. In the <laughs> yeah. Um but I don't know. There there's some stuff that they're coming out with. Um there's uh there's uh a prompt what is it called? Prompt 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 to mania or something where you can make your own prompts. There's some really yeah. great stuff coming out and like I don't know. I, I still feel like Mid Journey has the best soul. Uh, yeah, I you but. know I haven't been uh, a whole I haven't been really in doing much with Mid Journey recently. Uh, I just been too busy on other stuff. But I've been somewhat trying to pay attention to the Slack channels and different things that are popping up. And I've seen more people talk about the um, Stable Diffusion, Stable Diffusion, and all yeah. the plugins and integration it has with Photoshop and. I think Billy even said he canceled his mid-journey subscription yeah. and he's just using this with some other like kind of plug-in type thing that anyway yeah uh, yeah you have to well you have to run it on your own system if you do something like right. that you know but like I'm real interested to see like there's a fork of EB uh, sorry a, a fork of uh, stable diffusion that you can train to your own face and then make a whole bunch of like random generated art of you you know oh. Like me driving a car, you know that that might actually be really cool for things like if you're going to do, uh, if you have a brand or something, yep. you know, and you have like a, a featured uh, celebrity or maybe not a celebrity, but like a featured host or a featured actor or something, and you don't have yep. to get them in the studio to pose for a promo photo for something. Yeah, you yeah, know? totally. Um, so I really want to play with that. I've been playing with EB Synth as well. I'll let y'all know if I come up with anything cool. I've been trying to like use EB Synth to do stuff it's not supposed to do. I think sometimes it's fun to try and see what like what to to get weird with it and see what weird things come up. But what, I don't even know what EB Synth is. Or it's it's um in in a nutshell. Let's say you have a piece of footage, okay and you want it to look like it's painted or watercolored you could paint keyframes bring it in give it the footage give it some masking and then have it spit out a completely fully painted thing every frame and it uses ai and a bunch of stuff to oh, make sure you know make sure it looks good but have a animated version of or a painted version of a, a video or something huh. um yeah um but um yeah i know you've got to get going soon um real quick though i did want to do a quick vr corner um mm. because um the quest pro was announced and the quest pro is coming out uh on the 24th i have pre-ordered mine because i'm really excited about it uh, like i mentioned earlier um you know like the pass-through stuff is going to be in color i don't know if you saw don allen was in the video uh mm. which is really cool um so uh you know we know a celebrity now right um, <laughs> i saw um i saw someone use a quest in an interesting way i saw it going around on twitter like they're in a conference room and they had a laptop and they put the thing on and mm -hmm. they had the laptop but then used it to put like five monitors all around the table yeah yeah i saw that video uh it's that one dude i never remember his name he's on tiktok and youtube he does all this tech stuff i saw i saw that video this morning i think 
Oh, okay. Um, but imagine, I love the, the collaboration stuff, and I know people give it a lot of crap, but, you know, if you and I both had this headset, right, and we both have color pass-through, then we could both be sitting there. I would be in my environment, kitchen table or backyard or whatever, just chilling, bring you into my environment with the pass-through. So essentially, like, you're sitting on my couch. You're an animated character, but you're sitting mm-hmm. on my couch. I, I like that because there is something a little bit different about collaborating with people when it's not sure. a Zoom call. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, when we were getting ready for camp, you flew out and, and we hung out and took a couple days to, to do camp stuff together. And it's a lot different than sitting on discord. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, similar to what you were saying with EB synth, it's cool to see these things come out and then used in different ways that people didn't really expect. You know, right. I think people are thinking VR, oh, the, vi- the video game or AR this or what. And right. then someone pops up with like a use case of how you would use it in a workplace. Yeah. Like, oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah, and I actually kind of, like, made a ghetto version of this on my own at one point because, like, on the existing headset right now, there's only a couple things you can do with that pass-through camera, right? But I'm like, oh, this this thing would be cool if I could see my room at the same time, but it doesn't have that feature. So (laughs) what I realized is that you can, like, if you put it in, like, the non-room mode where, you know, you're not walking around your room but you're sitting in place, if you're ever out of your zone it starts to fade in the room. So I realized if mm. I set my my uh, point where I'm supposed to be slightly forward and then I lean back, then the room fades in and I can like half see my room in black <laughs> and white and half see the other stuff. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the AR stuff. So mm. I, I will report in when I, yeah. when I find out, uh, it, it, when I get it and if I find out it's actually useful. But, um... I know you got to get going, so um, really appreciate you being on today, man. Like, yeah, of uh, course. It was fun to, you know, sit and have a conversation about some yeah, super geeky stuff. Yeah, yeah, man. Oh, it's um, good. So next week um, we will be back to our our usual configuration. Matt will be back and uh, back from New York and whatnot, and uh, we've got. Uh, uh, Who's on next week? I have to go double check, uh, but don't forget to turn on, uh, uh, tune in to the uh, Halloween episode on Monday, uh, two weeks from now, which will be Halloween. That's going to be super fun. Make sure you're ready to call in on Skype. Get all your stuff ready. Oh yeah, um, we're going to get out of here. You can rate us on iTunes, leave a review, also subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. Helps get our ratings up. Subscribe to the newsletter and. Uh, you can say you've been there, done that, got the t-shirt with the MoGraph logo tee, the Paul Bab, Feel the Bab 2020 shirt. All the profits from that go to Doctors Without Borders. The Render Things t-shirt, hoodie, and long sleeve tee, the MoGraph Blandishment shirt, and of course the That Render is Fire shirt, which you're only allowed to wear ironically. Unless you're shams. And uh, that about wraps it up. Um, again, Mark, if people want to find you online, where can they find you? Uh, yeah, on all the things, um, if you just start typing in profanity creative, it's pretty much that you'll, it'll pop up, um, or my name, Mark Cernos, yeah. There you go. On all the socials. Yeah. But thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right. We're going to get out of here though. Until next time, I'm Dave. And I'm Mark. Have a good one. Later, yo.
pretty good, I guess. MoGraph.com, an online resource for motion graphic artists. Start your week with the MoGraph podcast. Industry news, interviews with your favorite artists, and terrible humor. Watch live shows and interviews from MoGraph events like NAB, SeaGraph, HalfRes, and local meetups. <laughs> Our MoGraph talks feature live demos and motivation from artists all around the world. Sometimes you got to make stuff that you're not going to put on your reel, and I'm not here to judge. What if Rick and Morty show up for the countdown at midnight? That's where I peaked in life, in my career. We got to stop this thing, Rick! It's going to kill us all! Hear from the people that create your software, design your render engines, and artists that are changing the face of modern motion graphics. You get that render done. Yeah, you better frame frame what? MoGraph tutorials and online classes will teach you about Cinema 4D, After Effects, as well as other popular software and render engines. Throw in HDR Studio, take the render settings, pick the HDR, put a reflection, and gorgeous. Branch into new software. Learn time-saving tips, techniques, workflows, and lessons that'll keep you up to date in the world of motion design. Oh, brother, those are some of my favorite elves. I love projects that scare me. When our art director comes to us and asks for something that I had never done before, man, it gets me pumped. Join the conversation in our live sessions. Check out our plugins or join the hundreds of daily active users in our Slack channel for technical help, advice, contests, or just to joke around. Real nice banana. Ah, that's so funny. All right. I'm going to live forever. <laughs> Subscribe today and get the latest updates on our YouTube and other social media channels. Take all your dreams and just do it. We don't care how you get here, folks. Just get here. Subscribe to MoGraph.com.